So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into another episode of Sober in the States Baseball. This is Chris. I'm the MLS card guy. I'm joined by my co-host. This is Dan. How are you, Trippin' B? I'm great, Chris. Just loving life. It's a beautiful week. Uh, my soccer team, uh, my club that I support is in, in the crapper here as they've uh, approached the end of the MLS season, so I'm all focused on baseball this week. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't talk about soccer. This is, yeah, this no, is the baseball all, podcast. All hardball this week, for sure, for me. <laughs> I, I'm trying to forget what happened in my in my uh, soccer world. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and this week we are joined by the whale of all whales. Uh, it's our good friend Miguel, who's back for his second appearance now on the show. How are you today, Miguel? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me again. Uh, I'd say more of a not a whale. I'm more of a sardine. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing good, man. Just working here and and trying to do my best and show where I'm gonna be. Enjoying it. Miguel, let, let's be honest. You're that great big blue whale that just like j- dives into the ocean and makes a huge splash, and you're just absolutely killing it out there. Uh, you've you've got you were the the guy that won the first ever super rare competition, so definitely big congratulations on that. Uh, but my question to you here is, what did you do to piss off Sora? Because it seems like your prizes have been a little uh, a little maybe not as good as some of the other places that that uh, the people have been finishing. I'm not quite sure. And I appreciate the congratulations, <laughs> but I'm not sure what I did to them because it's not been once. It's been three times what I, that I've been unlucky on the rewards, but it is what it is. You just got to focus on the next game week and, and try to keep winning. At the end of the day, those pile up and then it, sometimes you'll get lucky. Luck runs both ways. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. It definitely does. Uh, and we have got a qu- couple of things to to cover today, so we'll go ahead and hop straight into things. Um, now, I know that it's been kind of a little bit unlucky for you, but I want to talk a little bit about Rare Pro, Limited Pro, and I guess the Common League as well, because the Common League is really where this all started for me. Um, so I finished this this past week, I finished a 998th or 989th in the Common League, which is just barely scraping into the actual rewards. <laughs> And my kind of thought was, well, shoot, I finished too high. Like, I didn't really want a tier four limited. I ended up getting a relief pitcher who's worth like a dollar. That's like, I don't know. Like, I can't really use this. Whereas had I finished in 1001th place, I would have got, you know, a judge, a judge common, a, a Soto common, a Cunha common. Like, I'd much rather, like, I can use those guys. Like, I'll just keep winning common and keep, you know, throwing better and better teams into common. So, like, and and I guess the same kind of a principle applies to like limited pro rare pro as well. Like if you're finished right on that line between limited and rare, like for example, in limited pro in limited pro and the line is at 75 right now for this upcoming game week. And if you finish in 75th, you get a tier four rare card, which is like what I won. And if you finish in 76th, you get a tier two limited card, which my last tier two limited card was Zach gallon. So like, I'd much rather have a Zach Gallon limited than a relief pitcher who I'm never going to use in rare. Um, now let, let me get your thoughts on this, Dan. Like, is there, should there be, you know, a, a little bit closer of a tier alignment, uh, I guess, when we make that jump from limited to rare or rare to super rare? There definitely should be in principle in the idealized platonic ideal of so rare MLB. Of course there should be, you know, <laughs> like uh, the problem is just, we're trying to get there. And we've been talking about it on this pod. Don't need to continually harp on it and be negative because at this point you're either you're either in or you're out. But so rare is still figuring a lot of things out about this MLB game. It speaks to what you're talking about in this dynamic as far as the borderlines between tiers, and it also speaks to what Miguel was saying just a second ago in terms of you know he doesn't feel like he's getting the best reward for the higher places at some of the finishes he's getting in the early super rare contests, and it's it, it's because. So we're still trying to figure out who is good and what's what makes a good prize. And obviously there's people at that company that know baseball that they wouldn't be able to launch the game without it. But it's all still we're all still in in price discovery range. I still feel like, you know, six weeks into this game, we're still figuring out 
what makes a good prize, how much should relievers cost compared to corner infielders and things like that. All, all these dynamics are being sorted out. And so, yeah, it definitely is in that space where you'd much rather have the higher tier of the lower scarcity, especially since it's almost doesn't even feel like we're even playing scarcities. Now I'm, I'm paying attention to the build rules a little bit as I put my lineups in, but like I can play limiteds in rare pro and I can win super rare cards with limited cards. That's crazy. Like I'm going to take advantage of that as long as I can. And so I have, I'm adding guys when I usually, my new thing is if I buy a guy that I really like in rare, I'm going to try to get his limited also just so I can like use him across multiple different lineups. And the fact that you can still use commons to win real scarcity cards is should be taken advantage of. And yeah, you should want the best commons you can get at this stage in the game. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point there that you can still use commons to win rewards. So yeah, I definitely would have rather had that. But I, my thinking was even just like playing the common league. Like there are actual rewards in the common league as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather have a team that could potentially go up and win common league or, or finish very high in common league and get one of those star, you know, they, they give away what one, two, three, li- three star or tier one uh, limited cards in common every single week. So like, I'd rather have a team that can compete for one of those uh, instead of, instead of that. No, going into next year, like, obviously we know there are a lot of things that need tweaked and, and a lot of things that need fixed, but how do we, how do we fix this going into next year, Miguel? Like what's the, what's the answer? Is it, do you just kind of remove that, that those tier four guys from limited pro and just kind of move them up to the, to the rare prize pools or like what, how, how does this actually get fixed? Yeah, I think rewards at the moment are a bit, let me say screwed because they're only based out of the budget of, of the price of players. So when, when, when price player prices are stable and all the prices are like, there's a correlation and who is giving this production and this is worth this and guys under that production are worth a little bit less. You'll be, you'll be able to mix and match and, and, probably organized a little bit better and what tier every player falls in so i think come next year they they'll have had a a good sample size to see where each player falls yeah i agree with that it's a lot of it is just just being patient at this point which i try to be patient some days i'm more patient than others so today today i'm feeling patient maybe in other episodes we've recorded in the past i was a little less but today i'm feeling i'm feeling like i can wait on so rare i guess but it does. It does kind of suck when you feel when you have a good place in a uh, contest that you spent a lot of money on the lineup and and you they performed and then the reward kind of is a little bit random and disappointing. That that is uh, unfortunate, Miguel. For sure, I feel bad for you. I I think you got to let me know when you're feeling more patient. And we'll just record on those days because <laughs> <laughs> this makes us better for everybody. Yeah. Um, so positive trip, baby. Positive trip. There you go. That's it. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, some more news, obviously, coming out of the Soro camp. Uh, I think it was either today or yesterday. I didn't see exactly when it came out. Uh, Unique will be opening here fairly soon, which I don't know. It seems a little early to me because I don't feel like there's a ton of uniques out there at this point. Like how many? I guess you only need one to enter the competition. So I guess there are enough to get like a, a couple people in there. Um, but they're, they've you know scheduled the auctions uh, that, that they're going to be doing before the unique opens um it's big news it, it lets people kind of take advantage of their unique cards which is great um all for that um is this something that you're gonna you're gonna start to get into miguel or are you are you going up to uniques or are you just gonna kind of hang out at super rare and, and kind of dominate that i'll probably yes i'll try and get into it but as i said earlier i'm more of a sardine so i won't be buying those top tier uniques you know i'll be trying to find my way in with uh, no name guys that are producing a little bit or trying to play the matchup with guys that are uh, I don't know that nobody knows uh, but I'll I'll definitely try and get in somehow some way I'll find a way and hopefully it turns out well how about so you guys are you gonna is, are you gonna try and jump in oh yeah I, I definitely am I'm not getting into uniques like that I can barely afford to get into super rare um but yeah I I uh, I didn't know CJ Crone was a small no-name player because you already had his unique and you flipped him on for a, a huge profit there. Um, tell us a little bit about a, a little bit about that, like how that kind of came about. Were you like actually looking for unique cards, or did it just kind of you just saw it come up and no one was bidding on it and you just went for it? Yeah, well he he's not a no-name guy, but he's only a great hitter when he plays in course. So. His numbers overall in the season are not great, but his splits, his home and away splits are amazing. When you know that, you know that you can play matchups really well with him. So 
uh, I got interested. I just saw him in the market and the price was really low. There was This was also in the beginning. Like I think it was like the fifth unique that was available. So nobody seemed interested. And I was just like, let me, let me go after him, see what happens. And I ended up taking him for 0.74, which is pretty cheap for a unique. I think it's the second cheapest unique it has gone throughout the entire season. And the first one is a, a Nola from San Diego, who's a catcher, mm-hmm. doesn't play every day. So right. it ended up being a pretty good deal. And I, I ended up selling him like a week later for some profit. Yeah. Yeah. Some profit. It was like 2.2. Right? Yeah, is that what you got? Yeah. Yeah. 3X in a week is <laughs> well, not bad. Not well, was bad that, that kind of leads into something I wanted to talk about, which is, I'm guessing that you sold him right ahead of that game week where the Rockies and Giants had the five game series and, and got to play the extra mat extra game. Yeah, or, that, or that, that's what happened. Yeah, advantageous game week like that, and it really gets into like schedule watching is a way that you can make deals and and find value and find sales on the secondary market, not just uh, uh, in terms of SO seven, right? Yeah, I that that was exactly what happened. Like he he came off. I think a 55 point performance in one game in course. And that just like, I don't know, that, that's a great score for a hitter in one game. So uh, the guy got interested and we started talking a little bit. It took like three days until we set a price because I, I knew what his value was. Like he was not a 0.74 guy. He's he's worth more. So we just negotiated a little bit and then things things came through. That's awesome, and it's it's great to to kind of hear that you're you're flipping and being able to trade a little bit, because um, I know our our good friend Alec has also been kind of in that trading flipping market. Um, but Trip and B, you kind of have a little bit of a different strategy here. You're kind of going through and, and buying a bunch of guys, and, and, and to my understanding, you're going to basically hold them until next year and and just kind of collect as much as you can and kind of collect. The whole thing. Tell tell me why you're doing that as opposed to, you know, a guy has a great game week. I'm going to sell him and get somebody else. Well, it's I, I, I do have a couple of guys posted right now. It's not like I'm refusing to sell anyone. I'm not I'm not uh, my friend Jim or Mr. Never sell any card ever mode, but I am holding most of my cards and I'm, I'm definitely a low. If I get a lower tier reward or something like that, I'm usually inclined i've only won three or four rewards so far but i'm keeping my rewards even if they're not good and i'm both basically trying to build a collection like you said and the way i'm approaching it is that i want to have a lot of hitters i want to have a lot of depth i want to be able to play matchups i want to be able to play hot hands etc and i want these cards so you know i want to get guys who are going to be able to play for me this year and be good into next year and just have a deep, deep bench and be able to do a lot and be able to play a lot of divisions. I'm not doing the unique division to answer your earlier question, Miguel. I'm just probably going to be inching into super rares. I, I really have been thinking a lot, just kind of a tangentially on what we talked about last episode, that difference between a hundred super rares in baseball versus 10, 10 super rares in soccer is really kind of just a, an interesting opportunity. The fact, the fact that there is no an X of 10 class, makes me you know sort of change some of my valuations around super rich but uh, that's regardless of that i'm trying to build my collection right so what i do is i just look at a team that i want to stack and i try to look ahead three or four weeks and so there was and i look who's playing the most games and at one point there was game week where the giants and padres played extra games compared to everybody else so i was buying giants and padres there was a week where i was getting a couple of diamondbacks there was a week where i got a bunch of braves uh, and there was uh, last week I tried to get a bunch of Cubs because they play five games in this current game week, which the extra game didn't work out for me because they all went hitless yesterday in their in what the first game of the game week. But you know what projects out their fifth, their extra game was just a bunch of zeros, unfortunately. And it's a tough matchup with the Cardinals, obviously. If I was, I probably should have been buying Cardinals against the Cubs, obviously. But I wanted to be a little contrarian. I figured everybody would be doing that, so. It's kind of just buying a few cheap Cubs and hoping if they do hit, then I'll have a contrarian lineup, but we'll see how that works out. Still a lot of baseball left in this game week, but yeah, so just I'm buying, I'm focusing on certain teams week by week based on looking ahead of the schedule. And that's how I'm sort of filling out my collection, getting a little bit here, a little bit there. And I don't know, I'd love to hear your, your take on that strategy, Miguel. And you're, you're someone who's sort of more targeting like individual guys that you just want to get and make sure they're staples, their lineup is, uh, is that working for you? Do you think there's some 
a hybrid approach between our two approaches that would work? Or do, do, you, do you see anything I'm doing that I might be making a mistake? You could help me out. Help me out here. Oh, my bad. I was muted. My approach is a little bit different, but I do agree your approach is pretty good because good matches are good matches. Uh, and good matchups, good hitters will hit. Mediocre hitters will hit if they have bad pitches the other side. But what I'm trying to do is uh, I don't want to I don't want to have 100 players and have to break my head every single time I'm going to choose mm-hmm. who's going to who's going to be in the lineup because that's really tough to like put pinpoint who's going to be the best one in this game week. So I'm just going for guys that I'd say I describe them as guys that won't have lots of negatives. What do I mean with that? I'm trying to get guys that can steal. I'm trying to get guys that score runs. I'm trying to get guys that have position to to hit a lot of RBIs. Guys that will hit, will come into home runs. Um, so what I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to get like uh, home run or strikeout guys. I don't want none of those. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to go for guys that if they have a bad game, it can be a walk. It can be a stolen base. It can be a run by a hit by pitch. It can be all sort of sort of things that they can add. And that that just gives you like consistency. You, you know, I'm trying to have guys that add points every single game somehow, somehow. So that's a really interesting point that you make about about trying to add more consistency. Because I was kind of going, I guess, the opposite way. I was going for more of like the big big spike type guys, where you know, two three game weeks in a row, they may have zeros, they may have negative scores, but that one week that they throw up an eighty, then that's <laughs> going to be the week that I win something. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I kind of went the opposite way of of you on that one. Um, and I'm also kind of looking for guys that and and I don't know, maybe I maybe I'm not like looking at the top, top tier of guys. Like I'm not looking at the judges or turners or or Mookie Betts or anybody like that. I'm kind of more looking for guys that are a little more under the radar, I guess, but can still hit 25 to 30 home runs. You know, they're not gonna hit 50, but they're gonna hit like 25 to 30. Um if I can get a guy that can, you know, steal a base even better, like if I can get 10 stolen bases and 25 home runs in a season, like I, I think that's a great player. And I'm not so much worried about like the average. I'm not really like if a guy's hitting 220, as long as he hits 30 home runs and, and steals a couple of bases, like he's still going to have some weeks where he puts up 50, 60, 70 points. So I'm, I'm not as worried about the average for me. Um, obviously strikeouts you try to minimize, but a lot of times with those, those types of players, they do strike out quite a bit. Um, so kind of, I guess with your, with your strategy here, Miguel of, of only going for those type of players, does that mean you're essentially just looking at kind of the top tier type guys? Or are you looking at guys that could be top tier type guys? Um, or is there, are you trying to add, you know, some, some kind of fill in pieces here and there, some like tier two, tier three type guys, that can be good on a specific matchup, but maybe not every single week. Yeah, I'll, I have a little bit of everything. For example, I, in my rear pro team, I have Dylan Carlson. I have Nico Horner, who are guys that are not top tier, but they have a good approach. They're not high striker guys. Maybe Carlson a little bit, but they're not like the big names. But if they have the right matchup, they'll, they'll probably put up good numbers. And that's what I'm expecting from them. This game week with five games. Um, but Adding to to what I was saying earlier and trying to make my point uh, clearer is I, I I saw I see you you're going for the different approach and it makes sense like when you wanna you wanna when they hit you want it to be a big score you don't want to be you don't want it to be a single you don't want it to be uh, just right. like nine points you want it to be forty points or thirty points or fifty points uh, what I'm trying to do is just make it as consistent as possible by not having those guys. In my case, I have they are great hitters, but when they have bad games, they can be consistent, and that helps. That I, out of my five players, out of my five hitters, I doubt all five have bad game weeks. So if let's say two out of the five have a bad game week, but the other three were, were as good as they usually be, the two that had a bad game week will not pull you down. They will just be adding a little bit at least, and that's what I'm trying to get. You know, I, I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, and I, I think that's a pretty decent approach and just one that I hadn't really considered. Because I guess we we talk about a lot about how all of us kind of came over from soccer. And in soccer, like if you score 50, you score 60, um, which is just kind of a middling average week. You're kind of you're kind of shot like you need the big hundred score. You need yeah. the big 90 score in soccer, whereas 
in baseball, it just may be something totally different. It may be something that I just have to un- unlearn essentially um, that in baseball, you know, putting up 15 is, you know, not a good week, but it's better than putting up zero. You know what I mean? Like that means that your, exactly. your big guy doesn't have to put up 65. He can put up 50, um, which is a lot more, you know, reasonable and I guess happens a lot more. So I guess that'd be interesting to kind of, kind of track and look at going forward as, is this something where it's a little bit different from base baseball and soccer to where you can actually use this as a, as a differentiation almost as a, as something that uh, you kind of go and contrarian against, against the trend. Cause a lot of people will be doing that. A lot of people will be going for just guys that can throw up sixties every single game week. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Dan? How, how do you see this kind of strategy thing playing out? Is this something that could be something different between the two sports or is, or is this something where, uh, Maybe we should stick to the more boomer bus guys. It's definitely different just because there's no cap, right? There's no, the, the soccer matrix has a cap of 100 that you can only go so high where we haven't seen, I don't think we've seen the 100 point game week from a baseball player yet, but it's coming because we've seen a few nineties. So, you know, like the, the cap is, is very high. And also like one or two, what one thing I've been noticing is, is when I look at my guys scores and just, if you have, you know, the, the 15 versus 20% bonus or whatever in soccer that only gives you, you know, one or two extra points doesn't seem that big of a deal because your total team scores up in, in the 400s, 500s, right, if you're lucky. So one or two points there doesn't matter. But one or two extra points here in base, in MLB makes a yes. big, makes a major, major difference. So it's really interesting. The bonuses are going to come more and more into play. So experience matters. So holding on to your cards for a long time, I think, is going to be able to get you an advantage, especially in coming years if they work out the bonuses right. But I'm kind of you, Chris. I, I think you want to maximize upside, and it is difficult to, to get everyone to hit all at the same time, right? But you just want to have that winning lotto number. When they do all hit at the same time, you want it to take you all the way to the top. So I, 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 I think it's good to have a few boomer bus guys in your lineup and, and maybe – try to find a little bit of a hybrid style from the two different extremes we've been talking about. And I do agree with Miguel that floor is important. Having a guy who can steal a base and get that extra, that five point stolen base bonus is nice. Those kind of scores add up quickly as well. A lot of times just when you're, you got it. So rare data still building out their tools. Right. So, but when you're looking at a guy on so rare data and you're looking at his game log and you see like 12, 12, 12, zero, six minus one 18 or whatever make sure you're clicking on those circles to break down exactly how that scoring is coming and see like did they get all their points on a home run or oh did they have three hits and two rbi and stuff like that like figure out the way you guys get their points and it can be tough for a lot of these folks who are new to mlb as a sport to really understand what's important but the more exposure you get to it the more the the more you start to speak the language and and just like in soccer you want to find out if a guy does this player score more more of their points through tackles and passes, or do they only rely on decisives? You want to know the same thing. A home run's not a decisive necessarily. For uh, there's no real matrix in in baseball scoring, but you want to know who how your guy scores. And like, there is really no like one right answer. I guess is what I, the roundabout way of saying this, but it's just you got to know who your players are, and don't don't look at a guy who has like several zeros and then a couple 18s in a score log and think, Oh, he must be a home runner. You got to break down exactly how that's actually happening. Cause there's a couple different ways to put up big numbers for sure. And I think one of the easier ways to do that is just look at their season numbers. Just look at, you know, this guy's hitting 240. He's got 15 home runs and he's got no stolen bases. That means he's probably, you know, an average at this point in the season, he's probably an average, you know, home run hitter. He's probably going to hit like 20 to maybe 25. Um, and he's probably not going to steal any bases. Whereas if you see a guy that's, you know, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, you know that he's probably, you know, he's probably going to get to about 25 to 30 home runs, probably the same in stolen bases. Um, so he's probably got, you know, pretty decent upside. So you can kind of look at the totals and, and kind of, I guess, in a quick way, just kind of look and see what type of player that a guy is if, if you're if you're kind of newer to the league. Um, but let's talk, let, let's kind of get into a little bit, you know, some more actual performances, right? We we haven't talked a whole lot about what's actually going on in major league baseball. So let's let's kind of talk about some teams that are maybe, you know, hot right now that are, you know, rolling towards the playoffs or teams that are, are, are just kind of out of it. There's a ton of teams that are out of it. This this is kind of how baseball works. 
Um, but there's a ton of teams that are, you know, right on that line where if they can they can make a big push and get into the playoffs. Um, let's start with you, Miguel. What what are some kind of teams that you're watching and and kind of keeping an eye on here? Just so you know, I'm staying I'm standing by to add these guys to the watch list, Miguel. So don't so give me give me some <laughs> sure thing. I, I'm watching the team I I end up watching the most is the Mets and the Braves. And that's well, no, the Mets and San Diego, sorry. I also watch the Braves quite a bit, and I've been adding some players of them too. But the Mets and the and the Padres are teams I've been watching, and I just I just like the Mets, like the group they have, and how they they like correlate together. Each hitter, the the guy behind him knows what he, the other guy's gonna do, uh, and and they have a good chemistry. Is what I think is going on there. Also, with with that rotation, you can't go wrong. You have three to four guys that you could throw in a playoff game and they'll they they'll put up decent numbers and won't won't let you down. But yeah, I like that 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 lineup quite a bit because you have Brandon Nimmo who's a high OBP guy, doesn't strike out much, just battles every single at bat, every single pitch. He's a scrappy hitter. Also then you have Starling Marte who's having a really good season. Has power, speed, everything. His approach is not as good as good, but he does damage, so it counter counter rests uh, his strikeouts. Then you have Frankie, who's doing an amazing job in, in the team, being the leader, uh, not striking out a lot, just putting the ball in play, hitting doubles. Uh, I saw a stat the other day. He has more home runs than doubles, which is pretty impressive. I think you should start trying to hit more, trying not to hit so many home runs because I've seen a couple flyouts and pop-ups in the, in the recent days. And then the the Padres are an interesting team because since they added uh, Juan Soto and Josh Bell and uh, Brandon Drury, they haven't been as good as they were before. I think that they have a negative record since they add them. And that's something notable that we should probably keep track of because Soto is not hitting that well in the entire season, and he's not hitting well since he got traded. I'm not saying Soto is not a good hitter anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying... Maybe there's some adjustment time he needs. Maybe he's just not comfortable in the box right now. Maybe they pitchers found something that they are attacking and he hasn't made the adjustment yet. I've seen a lot of pitchers trying to pitch middle away to Soto, and he's just pulling the ball to the second baseman. It's just four to three ground outs. So, yeah, those are the teams I'm watching the most. How about you guys? So the the Padres are an interesting one, and I want to kind of follow up here with you on this because – one of the big things that we thought about the Padres was, well, they just added Soto and Bell, and now they're going to get Tatis back, and then they're going to be completely unstoppable. And now Fernando Tatis Jr. is tested positive for something, and he is now suspended for the rest of this year, and I guess a little bit into next year. Does that does that change like their outlook? Does that mean that they're maybe not going to not make the playoffs? But, to, I mean, a lot of people were picking them as, like, a team that could go pretty deep with a good pitching staff. And then an, a front three that is just uh, just absolutely going to murder the baseball with Tatis, Soto, and Ma- and Mitty Machado, and Josh Bally throw into there too. Um, does that change how you view this team once we get to October, Miguel? Or is, or is this, I mean, obviously it's still a big deal either way, but do you think they can make a run in the playoffs? I think so, yeah, because uh, Hassan Kim, the shortstop, is having a great season, and his role is pretty clear for him. He's a plus defender, I think. I haven't looked at the stats, but from what I've seen, he's a very good defender. Throws from different arm slots, throws on the run, covers the hole very well, has good range. And as a hitter, I don't think that was his biggest tool, but he's showing some pop. I think he's had, he has like nine home runs. His average is about a 260. So I think the Tatis problem is going to hurt them, definitely. But I can think I I can I feel like they'll they'll find a way to to get in and just be be a problem for the other team on the other side. And I, I want to say something. Bob Melvin is a great manager, and he'll find a way to make that team. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to watch them for the rest of this year. And I think the I guess the sad part for me because I really like Fernando Tatis Jr. is we won't get any year one cards from Tatis. Mm-hmm. which is that's that's going to hurt a little bit cuz I was playing it on I was playing on picking one of those up. Um let's let's get to an, another team that you're kind of tracking Dan and we talked earlier about your strategy of 
you know, buying teams before they get to their big five week game week or their four week on a weekend game week where they have a double header. And one of the teams you're tracking is the Brewers and you're trying to pick up a couple of guys. So where where are they at? You know, as they as they're kind of trying to make their push for the playoffs. Yeah. So the Brewers are just coming off a series. I believe they, they just lost the series to the Cubs, but they won the last game of it. And one thing I've noticed, I, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you think? Are you bought? I don't know how many cards you bought in the last few days, but and this could just be my the way because I tend to buy up kind of closer to the game week, and that might be my fault. But I'm trying to get a, a little bit ahead of the game here because the we're in what we're in game week 11, right? Am I mistaken there? Uh, yeah, 10 is live. So, yeah. 10 is 10, live. Me. We're in game week 10, right? So I'm looking ahead to game week 15, and uh, you know I'm not really giving away secrets here. Anybody can look this up, but game week 15 has a Brewers Giants five game series, and nobody else plays. I don't. I, there's only a couple teams that play four. Most of the other teams are playing three. So I spotlighted that as like okay. That's a spot to hit some Brewers. I already have a few Giants that I like. I have Austin Riley. I have Jock Peterson. I have Austin Will Riley Porter. is a brave. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Austin Slater. Austin Slater. Okay. Forget. Sorry. <laughs> I was I like, wait, we didn't we didn't Braves. trade him, did we? Oh God. Yeah. No, no. I've got I've got uh, I've got uh, both Austins. So, but yeah, I've got a few Giants already. So I'm like, okay, let's pick up a few Brewers in advance of that game week. So tell me what you guys think of this. I was just in the, while we were doing this podcast, I was watching a Willie Adams auction that just ended a few minutes ago. So his previous auction two days ago went for 0.06. Before that, f- five days ago, had an auction at 0.041. Today, his auction that just ended a few minutes ago, 0.0972, almost got all the way back up to 0.1. So I'm seeing like guys, I'm starting to trend back up a little bit. And I'm wondering if you guys have been looking at prices lately, if you've been in the auctions last few days, it almost feels like card prices are starting to tick back up a little bit. Thanks to, and I would assume that's thanks to so rare kind of slowing down the auction pace just a little bit. They're auctioning their fewer, they're limiting, they're sort of throttling the supply a little more. And that is driving prices of good cards, at least probably not every card, but of good cards back up in the market. And so now, you know, I'm trying to buy Willie Adams. A couple other guys I'm looking at would be Yelich, Renfro, uh, Rowdy, Rowdy, Roddy Tellez, uh, a couple guys in that vein. But as I'm looking at them, I, I, I sort of plotted that out last night. And now I wake up this morning and the prices are, are already taking a little bit back up from what I was looking at last night. Have you guys noticed anything like that? Yeah, I've definitely seen the prices kind of kind of just and you said just ticking like not rising significantly just a little bit of action as we kind of slowly start to slope up and i think realistically i think we'll see this just kind of throughout the year and i think the immediate cause yeah it's just less supply right less supply same demand equals a higher price i think that's what i i think I don't know if I'm going to say Sawyer was oversupplying the market because they did need to just dump a bunch of cards on so that we could all play. Um, but now that they've kind of wheeled it back a little bit, um, it's not as easy to go onto the auction and just buy up everything at this point. Um, so I think you are going to start to see some of the secondary markets start to emerge. Um, we still need the 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 offers though. That I don't know what's what's going on with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, as far as the supply goes, um, I think they have kind of limited it more, which I think is a good thing. And I think, and, and the even better thing is long-term, that means there's fewer year one cards. So collectability-wise, that makes all of these cards worth even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think you're going to start to, um, there may be some people that sell off teams at the end of the season and then want to buy back in next year. So I think we'll see one more like little dip. Um, but then after that dip comes, we should just see prices slowly rise throughout the off-season. Um, because you'll you'll get closer and closer and closer to the start of opening day, so you have to hold for less time and less time. So some guys will be like, I don't want to hold for three months, but they'll hold for two months. I don't want to hold mm-hmm. for two months, but I'll, I'll hold for one month. So you get more and more and more buyers coming into the market as you get closer to opening day. Um, so I think we will start to see a, a little bit of a rise. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing that they've kind of cut the supply and, and we're starting to see some cards like kind of hold their value because now, I mean, if you if you're winning a prize, you want to be able to sell that for something. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's a big deal. You're you're obviously a little bit more in the in the auctions and in the market there, Miguel. Um, what are you seeing with the with the prices of cards here? Is it kind of the same for you on the on the higher end with the super rares, or is it is it kind of held steady, or, or where where are we at with those? Yeah, it's it's 
it holds very sturdy actually from the beginning i saw a couple of cars dipping more than 40 percent or 50 percent from from the first serial to the second one and but lately i haven't found opportunities like that and uh it's because of how they slowed down the auction now every card is one hour different so in the super rare market and i don't know how much increment they did in, in time in the rares but that i think that that's less less opportunities to buy will drive prices up and i agree on the on the on your take about we'll have one one small dip and almost at the end of the season maybe a little bit after the season two i'd say mid-november to late november and from there we'll just start seeing numbers and prices steadily go up uh people getting ready for next season um but yeah yeah i think prices are very very stable from from what i thought they would be uh yeah i wanted to talk uh, touch something uh, it's something I've, I've enjoyed quite a bit i played the football side for a while for like about six months or seven months and the thing i disliked the most about it was just not being able to watch football every day and seeing my players perform every day and that's the thing I've enjoyed quite a bit in the baseball side, man. I, the fact that I can see my players perform every single day is pretty fascinating because I wake up, look at the time my guys play and just be ready to watch it if I have the time. <laughs> what, are, what are your guys' thoughts on that? So I would say I'm almost the opposite. Um, it's like stressing me out big time when I'm in like second play. Like right now I'm in second and super rare after the first day of this game week. Because Jordan Montgomery had a had a one hitter last night and had seven Ks and no walks. So like he had a monster game. So I'm in second place. And it's like I just like I, I can't like I can't sit here and grind like all these games for the rest of this week. Like my my stress <laughs> levels for the rest of this week are just like through the roof. And I know like that's how it was last week. I was in position and and on day one, and you can make big moves. So I'm not saying you have to be in position on day one, like you can make a big move. At the very end, I've seen guys come from a thousandth all the way up to like a hundredth in the last day. But if you are in one of those top positions, you know, guys can make big moves up at the end. It's really nerve wracking for me, at least that that every single day your guys have to continue to add on to what they did before or else you're going to start dropping down the standings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it's 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 great fun. Like it's 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 a ton of fun to, you know, every single day, something else is new. Um, but just for my personal stress levels, I don't know that it's helping me a lot. Um, how, how are things going with you, Dan? I, I know that you've, uh, you've had a little bit of a different experience, but I haven't been quite lucky enough to sweat a second place in baseball yet. So I'm, I'm hoping to get there. I have won a couple of rewards. Finally, it took me a little bit, uh, a few game weeks to get off the schneid, but I'm loving it. Uh, like I said, this whole project has brought me back to baseball after a few years away from the game, really not focusing on it as much, if at all, uh, for the last few years after being big, big into it five, ten years ago. So I'm watching games on Apple TV. I haven't quite sprung for the MLB TV package yet, but I'm getting there because I really did want to watch a game last night. But the key is you just if you're worried about sweating all kinds of games and grinding all kinds of games, just stack. Just make a just make a stack. Then you only have to want to only have to watch. No. One game. I was watching like four games last Thursday, none of which had my players because I knew who had players below me. And I was like, oh, and, yeah, and we're was... talking about we're talking about Juan Soto not being good. He was up in the bottom of the seventh on the last day with the bases loaded against the Nationals. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And there was like four people that had him behind me. Yeah. And I'm holding on to the last spot in super rare. So like if anybody passes me, I'm done. And uh, and he struck out and I was like going absolutely nuts. It was so <laughs> much fun. Um, I've never cheered that hard in my entire life. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like coming back to baseball, um, you guys don't know this, but we're recording at like 9 a.m. We normally record at night. Um, and part of the reason for that is that I'm going to the Braves Pirates game later on tonight with with Alec, our, our good friend, uh, uh, one of the one of the guests from the show. We're gonna go watch Max Freed dominate the Pirates and, and hopefully put up some good points for me in my in my lineups here. So I've been to probably one baseball game in the last three years, and we're going we're going now. We're gonna go potentially next week and see the Cardinals. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's for sure. I'm paying a, a ton more attention to baseball 
and kind of remembering why it was such a fun game and such a, you know, it, it gave you so much joy and passion when you were watching it. And I can't wait. Honestly, I cannot wait for October. I cannot wait to see the yeah. Braves again. Cause I was, I was loving it in October last year because obviously we were winning. I can't wait now that I know what's going on. And I kind of know more of the backstory from guys. I can't wait till we get to October this year. Um, that's and sick. I know you you've been kind of in this, Miguel, like you, you like we're both coming back into baseball. How's your experience different from I mean, you've always been in not always, but you, you've been in baseball for the past couple of years. Is this is this a noticeable change for you watching baseball on your end as well? Well, yeah, definitely. I, I've always watched baseball. Uh, but now that I have like specific players, I, I have to keep tabs on and just try and see all their bads and how they're performing. Just see how, how how they're taking pitches, just swinging at, at fastballs if they're late. Just that approach, uh, just I have to work on that and just see how how in the game they are just to try and put them in the lineup for the next game week. So that's a, a, a fun part of it because not only the numbers tell the story. Like, for example, I'm a, it's an it's a st- example that hurts, but I sat out Aaron Judge for this game week. Because he has been struggling. He has two series not doing very well. And he was facing the best. He was facing Max Scherzer and Taylor, uh, Walker. Who's hit, he has hit well, Walker. But Max Scherzer on the mound yesterday, you, you wouldn't have thought that Aaron Judge was going to hit a home run, you know? <laughs> so based on me seeing him last weekend, seeing him off whack, like he wasn't doing his stuff. I just sat him out and bad on my part. That ended up costing me 22 points yesterday alone. So... Uh, that's a fun part. I should have, you know, I, I just bought Scherzer last week. So he, uh, if I would have, I would have told you that. I'm sure <laughs> I cursed yeah, him. I, I saw the home run that it, Judge really, he was on time there, just a 97 fastball down and away. Somehow he just stayed connected and just drove, drove the ball the other way. But talking about the, the, you going to the game tonight, that's pretty sick. You, you should like try and follow up on Twitter and, and tell the story because, Seeing your pitcher perform, I, I don't. I'm not sure his, it has been done yet. Like you're gonna be seeing your Max Reed in the in the ballpark, so that's pretty sick. I, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope Max Reed goes off for a complete game shutout with 10, 10 strikeouts. <laughs> I mean, it's the Pirates, so I'm expecting nothing <laughs> yeah. less. Like he better yeah. go off. You know, I'm not going there to watch us lose. That's for sure. Um, but no, yeah, I have the ton of Braves. Actually, I have one. So I'm not going tomorrow because it's an afternoon game, but I have Kyle Wright who goes tomorrow night. He's in a lineup. He And this nice. is my lineup for this week. Wright, Kinley Jansen, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Byron Buxton, Matt Olson, and Kevin and uh, Carlos Correa. It's like I have five Braves in that lineup, and I'm going to watch Damn. probably three of them, if not four, if Kinley Jansen, I mean, he had a save last night. Um, so I'm going to watch probably at least three or four of them in that lineup. I have Contreras in another lineup. I have Max Freed going in the lineup. I have Acuna going in another lineup. It's like, I've got all the Braves. I'm putting them all in my lineups because I know I'm going to go to the game this week. So it's going to be even more fun. Like anything yeah. that happens, I'm going to be like, let's go five point double. Let's go, baby. <laughs> so, That's uh, sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to post that. We'll, we'll see. I'm not, I'm really bad at taking pictures. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to remember to take at least one or two pictures um of the game while while we're out there but the yeah should be a lot of fun if you guys if you guys got into a game i know charlotte doesn't really have a team um but we have uh, we have the charlotte knights chicago white Sox triple a team triple a doesn't count man (laughs) maybe maybe someday so rare we'll add triple a you never know oh could you imagine could you imagine the the supply issues we'd have if if they added triple a oh my god yeah, they'd have to if, if they had done the scarcities to match football like we talked about last week. <laughs> have you gotten to any games, Miguel? Yeah, I went to a Marlins Mets game in Miami, okay. uh, but the competitions weren't open yet. So I just I, I had bought Lindor and I uploaded a picture to Twitter. And uh yeah, it was pretty fun. It's a different experience watching a guy you own in so rare and then seeing him in the ballpark. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I feel like I'm not gonna be able to get a hot dog. Like I'm not gonna be able to leave my seat ever. Yeah, I have to know what's happening at all times. Like I have the pitcher and I have most of the lineups. Like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to go? It's impossible. Go Braves. That's all I can say. I got all those Braves guys uh, as well across my lineups. Although uh, I'm, you, you got, you said you got the big start from Jordan Montgomery last night. And unfortunately mm-hmm. I 
stacks the Cubs against him. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, so uh, you you win that round. Hopefully my Cubbies can get some hits today, though, because I did also get that 20-point Kenley Jansen save, which was real nice and yeah. kind of reiterate. You guys have any, just while we're here, any new thoughts on how to play the relief pitcher spot? Has your thinking changed or evolved on that as uh, the season has gone on? Because it's tough taking those zeros for me sometimes from Kenley when he doesn't get in there. But, man, I love when he drops a 15 or a 20-pointer and he does that multiple times a game week, and you're sitting pretty. Just just wait till you get Spencer Strider in there, and he puts up a 35 in every start. It's great. I love Spencer Strider. Now, you got to figure out something for when he's not pitching, but, <laughs> I mean, my God, I love that kid. He is I, – I may never sell that card. I absolutely adore having him in my relief pitcher spot. It's just such a big advantage. What about you, Miguel? How are you handling relief? Pitching? Nah, I just I just plug in Emmanuel Clase, and he does his thing every single time. That guy's the best reliever in the well. Andrew Diaz is right now the best one, but long term, there's no one compared to Emmanuel Clase, and uh, he's been putting up pretty good numbers uh, for the last game weeks, twenties, thirties. So I'm fine with that. Do you rotate him at all if he's had like back to back saves going into a game? Yeah, definitely. Do you, yeah, yeah. You do rotate him. Yeah, if he pitches, for example, if he throws Thursday, I'm not. If he throws Wednesday and Thursday, I'm not putting him in the game week for the weekend because it's probably he's going to have two rest days. So, yeah. yeah, I rotate him. I have Camilo Duval, too, which is a closer for the Giants, and he's amazing, too. He's young, but he's pretty good. Throws 102 miles per hour. So, um, yeah, but I, I do rotate him somewhat. Nice. Um, so let's, look, I guess, as we kind of wrap things up here, I just want to hit on one more of my guys that I just have to pump a little bit. You know, that's what we're here for. It's just, just pump our own cards. And uh, as he, and we're talking about the pirates as the, the first pirate game that I went to hitting leadoff was this massive human being that I've never, ever seen before in my life. A guy that big hitting leadoff. And it was Dan Vogelback. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? I never heard of him before. Um, went and did the whole backstory and Alec gave me a lot of the backstory because he's a Cubs fan and just kind of started looking at him. And I was like, well, he's actually like, he's actually pretty good. Like he's actually really good. Obviously he doesn't play much against lefties, but like you, you, you kind of get him and then you're looking at him and then, um, the, the trade deadline came and I was like, well, I don't really want him to be a pirate. Like he's never going to have an RBI or score a run because they don't ever score hmm. runs. And then he gets traded to New York and I'm like, that's a really good lineup. If he plays mm-hmm. every day, goodness gracious. So I bought him. It was like trade deadline panic, you know, classic like transfer speculation move. Um, I bought him in both rare and limited. He, I think he's one of only like two or three players that I own multiple copies of. And he's been crushing. Like he's been, he's been really, really good. Like obviously, again, he doesn't play against lefties. So if a team has got a lot of lefties, I'll sit him. But he's already got 21 for this game week. And in a game week where I feel like a lot of people, like there was a lot of good pitching performances last night. And there weren't a ton of, you know, home runs or, or anything like that. Um, he's it. He's got 21 and he's basically single handedly carried me into the top 100 in, in this league. Um, what are your what are your thoughts about? I, I know like Lindor and Alonzo and, and all these guys are the sexy guys for the Mets. But what are your thoughts on Danny, Danny V there, Miguel? Yeah, well, against right handed pitchers, he's pretty good. He smacks the fastball, has a pretty quick swing. And I think they, they they've got the most out of him as of now. I think he's going to be a big piece come playoff time because he can do damage in one single swing. And you have, you have to be careful with him because he's not swinging outside of the zone. So you have to come after him for him to get himself out. And I've also seen a lot of videos of him running. He's a decent runner, I have to say. I love, I love when big guys run. I love watching him motor around the bases. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also think... It helps quite a bit, the change of scenery. Like, coming from the Pirates, you're not competing for anything. You come to the Mets, you're, you're in a playoff run, you're looking good, you're sitting pretty, you 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 know you'll be in there. That motivation, that extra motivation, just makes guys perform way better. And he's shown his full potential right now. And um, he's he's hitting very well with the Mets, I have to say. I, know, I don't know how many home runs he has since he got traded, but it's got to be at least five or six. I'm looking it up right now. Um, are there, uh, is there any other like topics or anything that you wanted to cover here, Trippin, before we kind of wrap things up for today? No, nah, just go Cubs and uh, 
everyone stay out of my brewers auctions. That's all I can say <laughs> for this week. I have, a, I have an interesting topic that just happened to me. Yeah, my Zach Wheeler, who's who was slated to pitch on Thursday, got moved to Friday in my super rarity. So mm. that's fun. That's a tough one. Like yeah. he was throwing against Cincinnati. He just got moved to Friday. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm a bit pissed here. So so what you're saying is my second place may actually hold this week because you don't have, you don't have a yeah. chance. Uh-huh. I don't have a picture, man. Yeah, that's that's my, a weird. Matt Olson has to go as well. Has to go off today. So yeah. I have a chance. Well, I'd be okay with that. I'll be in attendance. <laughs> I'll, I'll catch that home run ball. Is is that something that you think people should watch out for if your probable pitcher is throwing on the last day of a game week? Is that something yeah. you feel regularly enough that you should maybe make a different decision in that spot? What do you think? Yeah, I've been I've been keeping tabs on that and I even checking weather for that day in that part of the of the country they're pitching. So yeah, first time it, it has got me, but definitely something you have to keep tabs on because if one game gets postponed, that guy's gonna get moved one day back. So yep. that's that's not ideal. And you'll if if he pitches the last day and you, you stay without that start. That's thirty plus points. You're not counting. Yeah, so yeah you're, you're toast at that key. point. Yeah, you're toast. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to answer your earlier question, Danny V has four home runs since he joined the Mets. He's hitting two eighty four with four home runs, fifteen RBI, and ten gorgeous runs have been scored. <laughs> um, Damn. But yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really good point. And if you have kind of like, I, I almost use it as like more of a tiebreaker to me because I still want to like if Degrom or Scherzer is pitching, I'm not sitting Degrom or Scherzer. Like, if they don't pitch, they don't pitch, you know? Like, I have to at least try, like, Garrett Cole. If, I, if he's pitching the last day, I have to at least try to throw him out there. Right. But if it's yeah. like, I don't know who I should really start here, and, like, I, the matchup's pretty similar, I'm just, I'm going to go with the guy who's earlier in the week, you know? That way, at least, if, if he goes out and he throws up a five, you know, if he goes out and gets whacked and comes out of the game in the third inning, at least I know that that lineup's dead and I cannot pay attention to that one for the rest of the week, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that's... I don't think it's a, a huge, like, don't ever start anybody in the last day. But I also think you should just keep it in mind as you're setting your lamps for the week. Yeah, just keep it in mind. Just one more thing to worry about, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate, appreciate all of the time from you, Miguel. And we'll definitely have you on here pretty regularly to kind of check in and, and get some more, um, you know, feedback from you and and, and get because you're you're obviously one of the one of the best baseball minds that we have around here. So we appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on this morning. I appreciate the kind of words. And I once again, appreciate you guys having me. I really enjoy being here and, and being able to share and, and talk about baseball with you guys. So hopefully you will be back here soon and good luck on today's game and the weekend and this series. We also have, uh, well, I guess, I guess it'll be over by the time this releases, but you're also doing uh your Twitter spaces today as well, right? With the YNWA and Bob. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. So uh, definitely if, if you guys have time, maybe in the future to check those out, they're very good conversations. Um, I know I, I try to stop in if I have some time at work um, to, to try to give a, a couple of thoughts, but uh, yeah, definitely check those out. If, if you, if you get a chance. Mm-hmm.